there were instances where I was not allowed to share my voice. And I won't get into details, but I think we've all been there where there was, you know, a situation where you weren't quite safe to, you know, share your voice for whatever reason. Um, and I felt horrible. Oh my God. You know, holding on to something that you just need to communicate or somehow stick up for yourself, that can rot away at you. So it is really important that I've learned. Of course, you know, I always thought this, but, you know, actually practicing the flip side of the coin of not sharing your voice in the moment when it's small um, and then just letting it fester inside and holding all this resentment, not a good feeling. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte, identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Podcast people, we have another guest, Samantha Gordon. She's actually been on the show before. She was on the show back in the day when we were the B&E podcast, the Brandon and Evan show. Um, but she's back and she has written a book. Um, she is also a self-help author, author, a yogi, communications expert. She's hosted her own show with topics about personal transformation, Zen, wellness. She's got a decade of experience in media and corporate communications. And She's got a whole lot of stuff to share with you. We're going to get into the book. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about her journey. Um, she's going to share some of her wisdoms because we're going to pull it out of her. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're excited to have you back. How are you doing? I am doing great. It has been a whirlwind uh, with publishing my book, How to Be Zen in a Crisis. It has probably inspired my next book to be called How to Be Zen While Publishing a Book. <laughs> Perfect. I'm sure a lot of people could use that. And uh, your book's number one on Amazon, so that's really exciting too. Yes. Uh, shocking, actually. It was number one before it was even released, and it continues to be number one, and it blows me away. I'm very grateful, and I'm so happy that it has been resonating with people and I just got my first five-star review first review first five-star review yesterday so exciting. that was really exciting yeah so did this this book seems very very timely did you like yeah <laughs> like when did this whole thing start and how did it just seems so serendipitous that it kind of came out in such a I don't know just such a perfect time Right. Yeah. And yes, it absolutely was serendipitous. So I actually went through a crisis of my own around a year and a half ago. And so during that time, funny enough, I thought that would be, you know, the crisis of my life, you know, <laughs> and, you know, a year and a half later, it's like, no, <laughs> actually, there's going to be this worldwide, you know, epidemic. But um, so at the time, I thought that was my, uh, you know, the crisis of my lifetime. But due to that experience, I actually outlined a book, which is How to Be Zen in a Crisis, and which is my book now for sale on Amazon. Um, and I started, I think, around two chapters. And then I looked into publishing it but just researching how it would go to publish a nonfiction book. And I realized, you know, uh, at the time I did not have a platform and all these things. So I decided not to pursue that book. So I shelved it. Lo and behold, a year and a bit later, a pandemic happens. Just crazy COVID everywhere. Everyone's in a panic. And I was like, I have a book about how to be Zen in a crisis, literally just sitting on my hard drive. I have the entire thing outlined, mapped out. I do not have to have any more ideas. It was, these were the steps that I actually took for my other crisis. So that is, you know, what the chapter titles are, is exactly what I did going through that previous crisis. And I had already started, you know, around two of the chapters and, I just picked up where I left off 
of course, I added in some elements for the pandemic and just experiences that I had had in the last year. And I finished it in two months. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I probably would have not finished a book that quickly had there not been a huge pressing deadline um, (laughs) because we were literally in lockdown and I knew people needed this book now. Yeah. So I was just furiously working, trying to get it out, trying to, you know, get the information out there. And yeah. Here what, we are. I find, what I find fascinating is that you go through this personal life experience and you don't, mm. you know, when you're, I went through a crisis myself at one point and a pretty big one and uh, existential crisis in a lot of ways. But when you're going through that, you're like, why the hell is this happening? And it, none of it really makes sense. And then it's so, it's so perfect because that is, I mean, your gift in a way you go through this very difficult time and then you come out the other side, you know, now, and I'm, you know, we're all on a journey all the time, but I just think it's incredible that you have this experience seeming so unrelated that turns out to be such a gift for everybody else. Um, because you didn't just, you were just like, I'm just going to write this book now because of pandemic. It's like, I'm going through this life experience. And then it, you didn't know what you had kind of like what baby had been born. No, I just think at that's, the time, that's I had incredible. no idea. And yeah. it's so funny. Yeah, it's exactly as you said. When I was writing out the chapter titles before, um, at first, they were just steps of what I was going to do. But I always knew I would turn it into a book. I'm a writer. You know, I had written a book before. It hasn't been released yet. But, you know, I knew it was going to be a book. Um, but then later, I realized, you know, I can't believe it. Because it is so serendipitous. It almost seems, you know, like it was meant to be. And what was really interesting is that, you know, I saw the common vein of different crises in each other, right? So whether it's, you know, being sexually harassed by your boss at work, whether it is a divorce, you know, any number of things, maybe you're injured, you are going through, you know, a sickness, maybe you got cancer, whatever it is, maybe you're going through a pandemic. They all have the same steps to get out of them and to get through them. So that was a really interesting um, message that I got too. Just as, you know, no matter what crisis you're going through, they all have the same pathway essentially to get out. Yeah, we're all in it together, whatever we're going through. Yes, we're all, absolutely. Yeah, we're all in pain is pain and we're all yeah. trying to get back to a place of peace. Right. All it is. Yeah. And in your in your sort of write-up that you gave to us in, in in your book, you include, you know, Zen is a big part of is a big part of your message. It's a big part of uh how you um identify yourself. Um I, I Zen is something that's been uh, something that I've been looking into for a, a number of years, and and is so many of the philosophies uh, are are extremely profound. Like it's it's such a beautiful tradition. Um, I'm curious just about uh, how you came into that for yourself, and maybe some like what are some of like the the core things that you've learned from from the Zen tradition. Okay. So great question. And I really do want to make a distinction here. I do at the very beginning of my book. Um, so while I have studied world religions and I have been a yogi for a million years, I started as an adolescent. Um, I am not using the traditional Buddhist Zen in this book. So this is more using the uh, the you know the common term of Zen meaning peace right. because I wanted to be inclusive instead of exclusive mm. and this book is really about being accessible Zen and accessible peace no matter your background no matter you know if you were a big meditator or yogi before it really doesn't matter it's all about everyone in the world having an opportunity to come to a point of peace. But my journey specifically, of course, I experienced meditation and yoga through just doing yoga. 
Um, and then I also did karate, which that was probably one of, I haven't talked about this, but that was probably also one of my entry ways into Zen because we did meditate when we, I don't know if you guys have ever done martial arts, but at my dojo, we absolutely had a meditation practice and we had pranayama breath work as part of our uh, karate as well. So it wasn't just yoga, but uh, yeah, that was a huge part of my life. And of course, still is a huge part of my life. And when I started yoga, I had no idea. You know, at the beginning, when you're doing something, you know, even when I was writing the books, when I was writing the chapter titles, I had no idea there was going to be a, uh, you know, a pandemic and that, you know, it would be an Amazon bestseller. Yeah. No clue. Um, and it's just the same with yoga. When I picked up a VHS tape from Superstore in Alberta, I had no idea that, you know, it was going to be this huge part of my life. Um, but it's fantastic. I think connecting to your breath is so important. And I think everything comes from being centered in your life. Right. Right. So, so Oh, sorry. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, everything comes from being centered in your life. And as long as you're coming from a point of authenticity and peace, I think amazing things can happen for you. You can get through a crisis, you can thrive. It's really the answer to most things in life. So when people are, so someone's going through a crisis, right? Like what, Mm -hmm. like, what are the, what's, what, what are some of the steps? Like what, what's something that they could maybe like look at right now and, I don't know, just kind of, maybe someone's in a crisis. Maybe they're, they're listening to this. Right. And they're mm-hmm. thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm curious. I want to read the book or whatever, maybe just to even get them to feel at peace enough to go and look to get the book. Cause I know sometimes you can be in such a crisis. You just want to sleep or you just want to hide away from the world. Right. So right. Uh, what would be your advice there for somebody who might be going through uh, a struggle that way? Right. So yeah, and that's the thing. You could be at any point um, in a crisis. And I do map that out in the book of, you know, the stages of crisis to Zen, because there are many stages. Uh, Some of them are hiding away. Some of them are numbing yourself. Some of them are, you know, losing your mind. And some of them are, you know, just being, thinking everything's fine when it's obviously not. Right. Um, But I would say that it's hard to describe what can help someone in a crisis in a succinct way. The reason I wrote this book is because you really do need the whole book. Um, and there isn't, it's not even just the sum of its parts. It's uh, like the whole is not just the sum of its parts. So, but I would say the first thing that you must do is accept that you are in a crisis because that is really the most important part, you know, if you're still in denial and you think everything's fine, right. You're not going to be able to heal or come out of it. Um, so that's absolutely the most, uh, important first step is acknowledging where you are. It doesn't mean you have to, uh, you know, make it worse than it is. You don't have to go, you know, running with your head cut off, running around and freaking out, but you do need to acknowledge what is in front of you and accept what is so that you can change it and um, make better decisions. And that's what the book is all about is, you know, it's not about just being Zen to be Zen. You know, the whole point is not, Oh, you know, I want to be cool. I want to be, you know, hip. I want to be one of those hip loincloth wearing monks sitting on a mountaintop and wind just blowing through my freshly shaven head. It's like, no, that's not the point. You're not trying to, you know, make a, no. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's such an interesting thing. Cause like, yeah, like a number of, of years ago, like I, I remember stepping into a very conscientious place. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm really taking a conscious step into developing and, and, creating a stronger connection to my spiritual life mm-hmm. and entering into that with this sense of like, okay, I'm just going to be this, like this peaceful person, right. I'm just gonna be like calm and chill and relaxed right. all the time. Not understanding that like, it can be something that's like th- actually throws you into a crisis because a lot of it just shatters 
your senses of your, your, your former perceptions, your senses of reality. And it can be quite a tumultuous pursuit to take on. Right. And that's the thing. It is tumultuous. And going through the steps of being Zen or getting to a place of Zen or recognizing the Zen that's already within you is hard. Absolutely. It's not easy. And you do have to face your own shit. You have to acknowledge, you know, the part you've played and all of these different elements that go into being Zen. You know, each chapter is not just like, oh, yes, today we observe our breath and, and then we float on a cloud. You know, it's not like that. We're, it, this is actually a very practical guide. And uh, I didn't write this, although I am a very spiritual person. This is not a spiritual book. It's not. It's um, for everyone. It's for if you're spiritual, if you're not spiritual, you know, if you pray to your refrigerator, it doesn't matter, you know, who you pray to, if you don't pray, if you meditate, if you don't, it's uh, basically just a guide to help you get through it, get through it and uh, thrive. It's, so. a, it's a very secular approach that, you know, in, incorporates some like some things that ne- may maybe originate from these sort of traditions, but requires no particular belief in order to see how positive these things can be. Right. You don't need to sacrifice a goat or pray to Vishnu. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So but, you've uh, had, you've had uh, so just to change direction just for a moment here. So you've had, you've had a big year of growth, right? Like a big year and a half. It sounds like, like a lot of change. Um, do you, do you find like over this last year, like, I mean, you've obviously applied this stuff to your life. Um, you know, what, what did you discover about yourself, about your, your life, your path? Um, what, what's it changed or led you to? Mm, yeah. And that's such a great question. Oh, the light went out, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I discovered that I'm so resilient because that's the thing about a crisis, you know, it, no matter what it is, you know, maybe you're going through a tribunal, human rights tribunal, um, who knows, maybe it's someone attacking you, maybe people are, you know, I can't get into details of my own experience, but you know, it is very trying. And obviously you guys have met me before. I'm usually a very bubbly, optimistic, you know, exuberant kind of person. And going through the crisis, my personal crisis was just, just life shattering just suck the very life out of me. And I was always a very, um, yeah, I, I thought I was resilient before, <laughs> but I guess I just never experienced something that was so devastating. And um, I'd never dealt with people who were so malicious. Hmm. So coming out of the, or even in the crisis, yeah, I'd never thought I would hit such a low point. Um, and I think, you know, at the time I was like, what is the point of this? This is horrible. And I'm such a good person. Why would this happen to me? Right. Um, and I actually listened to a podcast. It was with, I love Oprah and I love Dr. Phil. I know it's people make fun of me for that, but I love Dr. Phil. I love Oprah. And I put on, I was going through a, um, court thing, shall we say. And I just put on this random podcast. It was on my Spotify and it was Oprah and Dr. Phil. And it was so timely and so perfect. And they were talking about when Oprah, I guess she had a big scandal back in the day where I guess she made some comment about beef. Uh, or saying she, I, I don't know exactly. I, I think it was, it was very famous, obviously. Uh, but this is many years ago, and she hated on hamburgers, and it wasn't even like a big comment, but it got her in a lot of trouble with the uh, cattle association, right? So they sued her, and she went through this huge. I think it was four year long court battle, and she had to move her whole Oprah show down to Texas, and you know it completely uprooted her life. And so they were talking about this on the podcast and uh, Oprah was saying, you know, people think, you know, it's karma or this and that. It's like, no, actually everyone goes through a crisis of some sort 
in their life, whether it be, you know, maybe their parent dies when they're young, maybe they're going through a divorce, maybe it's cancer, maybe, you know, and in her, her example, it was the beef uh, industry coming after her, right? And that just hit me so much because I realized, number one, that I wasn't to blame and that it was actually expected to go through such a hardship in your life. It's expected. Mm -hmm. And everyone goes through it at some time. You know, we didn't know as a world that we would be going through a pandemic altogether. But I think in a way, it's actually beautiful because we are, for once, able to see the earth as a whole instead of separate parts, different wars going against each other. It's now that we're all in this together. We're all trying to get through this. And of course, there are different, you know, very viewpoints on things, but we all want to be happy, peaceful, and healthy is what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think also, you know, when you go through a crisis, um, you, you develop a certain amount of humility and humanity. Um, as you said, you know, with the pandemic, obviously we're developing humanity. A lot of people are not everybody. <laughs> Some people yeah, are <laughs> head still in the sand and they're still <laughs> trying to do it the way they want to do it. But, uh, right. you know, but you learn humility and you learn, uh, you know, and, and you can, you have the opportunity. I think a crisis can be, it's difficult for everyone, whatever your crisis might be, but you, you, you get to decide how you're going to come out of it. And I think that some people, um, they go through a crisis and they, unfortunately, they will go down. They will, they mm. will like say there is no point and they will just kind of self-sabotage and they'll just go down that road. And it's unfortunate. And I, I don't think there's mm -hmm. a guarantee that you'll come out better. But I think if you're in a crisis, I think that's when you need to decide, like I'm coming out of this and I'm, and you're going to be better if you decide to come out of it and you decide to take steps like you did. Right. Like, right. Yeah, and yeah, you have to decide again and again. And that's the thing. That's what I say in my book. You know, it's not as if, you know, you just decide one day on a good moment. Okay, you know, I'm going to get through this. It's like, no, you have to keep deciding on a regular basis, especially if you're in a crisis. This is not just, you know, being Zen on a regular day or coming out of a regular stressful day. This is a crisis, which means there's going to be shifting attacks. There's going to be waves of you know, possibly COVID-19. Um, there's always going to be different dynamics, you know, economy, this and that. So there's a lots of elements that come into play that you won't be prepared for. And even if you have, you know, a small idea of what might happen, you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. So you do have to stay flexible and committed to surviving. You don't even necessarily have to be committed to thriving mm -hmm. at the beginning because obviously, you know, if you're at the lowest point of your crisis and you're just, you know, curled up in a ball going, I don't want to live, you know, because this is so horrible, you're not going to be thinking that thriving is, you know, going to happen an option. <laughs> ne next, <laughs> not yet. next hour. You're like, yeah. no, that's ridiculous. You know, yeah. you're not even going to attempt for that. And you, you know, you don't have to, yeah. you just take it step by step, day by day, moment by moment. And, and you make better choices. I love that. It's a, it's a commitment to survive or, you know, if you're in a, maybe a better place, a commitment to thrive. I actually, before you hopped on here with us, I was talking with Evan a bit about what's going on in my life without getting into it. Um, I had a big awareness over the last couple of weeks that when you make a decision, often the decision leads to the same place. It's just that you're going to either go this way and experience that, or you're going to go this way and experience that. But if you have vision and you know where you want to go, you're ultimately going there anyway. It's just, how are you going to get there? But more importantly, who are you going to be when you get there? And the decision you're making today, although it might have a different experience, what you're really trying to figure out is who you're going to be. And that was a big turning point for me this last week. It's just realizing like, cause I had a very hard decision to make and there was a lot of elements to consider, but I was like, but who am I going to be when I get, when I get past this? Cause this is just a moment on the journey, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think like that commitment to survive, right? Like when you're in your crisis is like, who are you going to be? Are you going to be a survivor or are you going to be somebody who like 
you know, and, and you're making a relationship with yourself in that moment. So mm-hmm. just committing to survive is, is showing you. And you said, I found out I was resilient. It made you realize you are a resilient mm-hmm. person, right? And you mm-hmm. become that and that wherever you end up, you get to carry that with you forever, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. And that's the thing. Like, I guess I knew I was resilient before, but not to this extreme level. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you, of course, we've all been through, you know, stuff right? You know, we may have been in, you know, around abusive people or, you know, parents went through a divorce or whatever, but a real, real, real crisis. Yeah. That's, that's a new kind of resilience. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to go back to something that you said, you're talking about how, um, you know, you, you can't plan for everything. And like, we don't have like a a little crystal ball. I mean, that's definitely on a personal level, but like one thing that was like, because I guess the theme of this, this is definitely seems to be around crisis, right? (laughs) (laughs) Which seems so appropriate. You don't say. (laughs) Um, But when I was going through a crisis of my own, part of one of the things that was such a a challenging thing, which ended up becoming such a liberating thing as well, but it was coming to this realization that nobody had answers for me Mm. and that there was, I, I had to come through this thing for myself and I had to find my own way through it. And that there were sort of allies and, and helping hands and good advice that would pop up here and there. But ultimately there was no one person, one thing that I could look to. Except my book, right? <laughs> Except your book, <laughs> <laughs> which somehow incepted its way into my mind before yeah. it was released. Um, but it, it's, can, can you speak to, to that at all, like throughout yours, like I'm, I'm sure you had people who were there to support and, and those, the, those supporting people are, are so huge, but mm-hmm. can you speak to that, that level of just like, I, I'm the one who ultimately mm-hmm. I have to look to in all of this. Right. Yes. And that's the thing, you know, it's great to have moral support around. That's actually one of my chapters. Um, but it's not necessary. It is not necessary. If you do not have, uh, you know, close loved ones around or for whatever reason, you know, you're really in this alone, um, which we all are, as you said, we're all in this together, but, you know, deciding to come through it and out of it is all up to you. You can have the most supportive partner, the most supportive parents in the world, but if you're choosing to stay in just this spiral of negativity um, and not, you know, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, you're not going to get through this. It doesn't matter how wonderful everyone is around you. Absolutely. It is your decision. um, And it is your repeated decision on a consistent basis. And that's the thing of coming out of a crisis. It's not linear. It's not, you know, okay, today I'm deciding (laughs) for myself, I'm going to get through this. It's like, you're going to go through waves. And on some of those tough days, it will be, nice to fall on, you know, to come to your loved ones for moral support. But yeah, I, exactly like, like you say, it's up to you to really make the decision of how you want to come out of the crisis because it's happening. The crisis is happening. Mm-hmm. You're, in the, you're in the eye of the storm, you know, you're in it, you know, yeah. there's no other option. We're all in it you know, welcome, welcome to the crisis. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so it's up to you. Do you, what do you want to do with it? What do you want to do with it? And in those moments where, you know, it is just you looking at yourself in the mirror, you know, you just got to decide. And it doesn't have to be, you know, some momentous, you know, running up the mountaintop, like I am Zen, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you don't have to do that. Uh, at the beginning or ever, you just have to, you know, put one foot in front of the other and decide that you're going to be peaceful so that you can make good decisions for yourself. And that is a really main component of, of my book is, you know, how to be Zen in a crisis. We're doing that so that we can make better decisions. This is a very practical guide. Mm-hmm. It's not, um, cause when you're in it on your own, 
you want to get peaceful so that you can make better decisions and have a better life outcome as a result of being peaceful and being mm. zen. Yeah. Mm. I like how you said it's like waves. Cause I found that that was very true. You know, when I went through mm-hmm. some things, it's like, you think you're better and you think, Oh, okay. We're on, right. like on a peak and everything's good now. And then all of a sudden it gets worse again. And you're like, what? Right. And then it goes, it goes back up and then it comes back down. And there's, I think, um, before you're through the storm or through the crisis, it's like, there are many ups and downs. And I think there is, often when you're in it, there's this like desire for progress, right? This desire to like, I want to get ahead or I want to get somebody, I want to be done with this. And then you feel like you're done. And then all of a sudden you're back in it again. And, um, I think that's part of the process, you know, is that the, the, almost the need for it to be finished is almost what doesn't let you out of it. But when you can almost embrace the storm, that's when you have a chance to kind of get through it. You know, at -hmm. least that was my experience in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are one of those people who are holding on to the crisis, like let's say, you know, we don't know when, you know, the pandemic is going to end, but the epidemiologists talk about that it's going to be around 18 months that, you know, all the waves are going to come through and in and out and this sort of thing. So let's say at the end of 18 months, um, there's no more COVID. Okay. But people may be walking around living in, the former fear of, oh, it's out there or just, you know, it may not even be a logical fear. They may no longer be afraid of COVID or maybe they are, but they're just so used to living in those neural pathways in their brain of fear, 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 walking around and it could be, you know, beautiful, sunny day. And instead they are looking around for reasons to flee or fight. Right. So that's kind of when you have to decide when the crisis is done for yourself. And sometimes you can do that during the crisis itself. If it's, you know, going on for ages and you've decided you no longer, of course, you want to be receptive to what's happening and making practical and good decisions, but you no longer want the crisis to affect you and affect your emotion on such a dark, level Hmm. and but specifically with because i know some types of people some in my family (laughs) who you know they will have gone through a particular crisis and even you know years decades after the crisis is done they're still reliving it in their mind and they're actually causing themselves more and more pain So that is, you know, where it's important for you to make the decision of, okay, you know, the crisis externally is over. Actually, now I have to deal with myself Mm -hmm. and I have to let go of what's happened to me and not replay the crisis and relive it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can just re-traumatize yourself about it over and over again. And then and people do all the yeah. time. Yeah. They do it with all sorts of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to uh, switch gears a little bit just into the writing of the book itself. To write a book is an undertaking. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, as, oh, you, yes. as you may have alluded to earlier on. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it requires a tremendous amount of passion about the subject matter. Now, clearly, um, you know, a lot of it came out of your own experience of going through a crisis, but to be able to write about it in a coherent way and to put that kind of effort, there's a level of care and attention that goes into that. What really was the thing that fueled you to, to go through with it, to decide like, I'm going to start putting words onto, <laughs> onto, onto <laughs> paper. So to so to speak. Right. Right. What fueled me to get the words on paper? Well, I would say this, I have always written a lot. So even 
back in elementary school, high school. I was always part of, you know, the magazine. Then in university, I studied writing, communications. Um, and then I worked, like my day job was a writer. You know, they call it a different name. They call it journalist. They call it copywriter. They call it communications manager. But I was always writing a huge quantities um, for, yeah, for my entire professional career and even before that. And, you know, in addition to that, I was always writing in a journal too. So I think that really helped me. I was just simply really used to writing a lot. And so when it came down to, you know, writing this book in what was actually a really short amount of time, of course, you know, I, I outlined the book previously, which was, you know, amazing because once you've outlined it, for me at least, the hard part's done. For me, that's, you know, the idea, if it's out, you know, you don't even have to think about it and you just write of course, <laughs> it's very energy consuming and, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, but I think just for me, because I know I've had friends come up to me and they're like, oh my God, how did you write, you know, like an Amazon bestseller in two months during this, you know, COVID crisis? I'm barely, you know, putting my pants on in the morning. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's just by virtue of number one, I've been a professional writer for a long time. And then number two, I had a message that I really, really wanted to get out there. And I don't think it would have ever gotten out this quickly if I was allowed to procrastinate. <laughs> because, you know, we were in lockdown and every day I felt the pressure to get the words on paper because mm. I knew people were struggling. You know, I have a lot of friends all over the world. I'm sure you many people have reached out to you during this time too. Even maybe people that you weren't necessarily super close with, or maybe you used to be close with, but kind of, you know, drifted apart for if you moved or whatever, life took you in two different directions. But I had a lot of people reach out to me as I'm sure everyone did. And they were telling me about how they were struggling. And so, yeah, absolutely. As you said, I was super passionate about the message. I didn't think it was doing any good just sitting on my hard drive at home. And I really wanted to get it out. I felt a huge pressure to get it out in the world. And it was a ton of work. You know, my partner who's not here anymore, but he can tell you <laughs> that is all I've been doing for, you know, the last couple of months is I have been writing, editing, putting all of my energy into getting this book out there because I thought it was important really, really important. Yes. When I, when I hear that, I hear like a deep connection to purpose, like is, right. is, is, yes. is ultimately the reason. I mean, as, as much as I, like I write every day, I've written for, I don't know, 7,000 days in a row for half an hour, at least some days I've gone 16 hours of just straight writing. But I found that when I, when there's purpose, like I did a script one day, uh, it took me two days, 12 hours each day. And I, and I wrote out a whole feature. It was the fastest I ever did it. But like, when you just get connected to purpose, all that practice helps. All that discipline is important. I think that matters. But at the end of the day, what's going to get it done is your connection to why you're doing it. And it sounds like you got connected to that. Um, right. There's, yeah. There's one other thing way. I'll just add before, uh, before I pass it off is to say there's a, there's a speaker. I think he's a motivational speaker and I'm pretty sure he goes by the name ET. I, I don't know what it stands for, but He's a great talker, uh, but he said he was speaking live to this audience and he was talking about your passion and your purpose. And he said, and this landed with me big time, but he said, people are going to die. People are going to die and you not getting your message out. So that's, that's the level at which you need to like, you need to put it at. Cause if you put it at that level, you'll get it done. You know what I mean? And you mm -hmm. were saying like, procrast if I was allowed to procrastinate and oh, in yeah. some ways, you know, you're in this moment, it's like, people are going to die, you know? And like, sometimes in a way, maybe that Zen thing, maybe that element of it, of staying peaceful, making good decisions from a Zen place is the thing that's going to keep them alive. I mean, you could mm -hmm. say that about a sailor in a storm, it'd be the same thing. Right. So I just think that's what it, I, I when I hear that, that's what I hear. I hear it's like purpose mm -hmm. and connectedness, you know, you get to that and great things start to happen. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. I saw what was happening in the world and I knew that I came out even better after, you know, the crisis that happened to me, which I never thought in a million years, you know, I was at a very low point. And so I knew all these steps worked. I wanted to help other people. I heard about, you know, crisis calls at crisis centers going up. My friend, she volunteers at one of those. Um, so I was hearing these heartbreaking stories about, you know, people dealing with mental illness, people who maybe didn't have any mental illness before the crisis hit, right? So I wanted to do my part. I knew I had a solid book. I knew it worked. And yeah, I really felt the pressure. <laughs> and it did feel like pressure. It was obviously it was coming from a place of purpose and passion and, you know, really wanting to do a good thing. But it at the time, it did feel like pressure. Because <laughs> I was like, I know I'm sitting on a good thing here, so I better hurry up. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, ti- timing's important too, you know? It's like, a, mm-hmm. some, you know, like some people can say you're lucky, but, you know, lucky is preparation leading up to a moment of opportunity. Yes, preparation, meeting opportunity. Absolutely. That's what I always say. Is for sure. It does seem like I'm lucky. People are like, wow, you wrote this book, you know, in the middle of a crisis? Like, well, actually, I was super prepared. You were super prepared. I mean, all that, all that writing you did, all that work you did, all the karate mm-hmm. you did, the yoga you did, everything you did led you to this moment for this right. to be an opportune moment. You know, and it's like that's the thing I think I'd want people to hear hearing this conversation is that you're not an overnight success as much mm-hmm. as it might look like that. Right. It's you know this is this is years in the making. This is and yes. that's why it's so important wherever you are in your journey to keep showing up and doing the thing that's in your heart or the thing that you feel is right. The discipline, the practice, the you know because that's what you don't know where that's leading. You don't know what it's all adding up to, right? But there'll be a moment, and then you'll have your moment, right? Or many moments, maybe, maybe a few, maybe not. But like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I put in a lot of work and for many years I was like, you know, how come my big thing hasn't happened yet? <laughs> yeah, <know>? totally. <laughs> Never in a million years did I think it would start, you know, with a book about how to be Zen in a crisis, but you know, right. Well, I mean, and you can look at all, you can can look at things like, oh, everything's wrong. Like the the market's down or there's a pandemic Mm -hmm. going on or people can Mm -hmm. always make excuses as to why there is no opportunity. But often when things seem like they're going wrong is actually an opportunity when you, if you're open, you might actually see that there's an opportunity, like, like when things are going to shit, that's usually when people need help, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's usually if you can help that, that might be your moment to be the one to step up and, Mm -hmm. and help, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And exactly as you said, with the timing, you know, had I decided to put it out in the world right during my crisis, you know, a year and a half ago, that actually was not as good of a time as when I actually did publish it. Because having it wait, just sitting on my hard drive, when the pandemic came, I was able to add in parts for that. So, yeah, timing was absolutely in my favor. And I think, yeah, it ended up how it should have. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure yeah. in, some Serendipity. Ways, Serendipity. <laughs> and in <laughs> some ways as well, I'm sure that like there were having a little bit of time, like sometimes a little bit of time and space helps you to get some more perspective on some of the things that you went through and you can kind of see it more clearly. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And even just having more experience of having another crisis and being mm-hmm. able to tie them both in and say, oh, you know, I went through this and I did this and this other crisis. But actually, it also applies right. for dealing with a lockdown and dealing with the repercussions of, you know, a pandemic. So That's a good point because it verifies, you know, like yes. you went through your crisis. This is what I did. And then you're like, wait a minute, this relates to what everybody's going through. And and now your your book actually has more, it's more legitimate because, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing to share your personal struggle and how you went through it and how you got through it. But it's another thing to actually see how it's connected to other people's, you know, so that's, it is. It's kind of, it's just so perfect. There's a lot of perfect things about it, about the whole thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, it's a lot of hard work. I don't want to make it sound like it was, you know, I think I was meant to do it. And, you know, I had the skills and whatever, but it was a lot of hard work. 
you know, mm-hmm. I was doing very long days, 14, 16 hour days. And there were some days where, you know, we would have dinner at midnight after not eating all day. So the, I absolutely poured my heart and soul into this. And I really uh, had to remember to self-care. <laughs> I, one mm-hmm. of my uh, chapters is about self-care. And I'm like, you know what? I think it's time for some for some self-care. <laughs> <laughs> you can take a little bit of your Not own just, advice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I think it's time. <laughs> we don't just edit my you know book about self-care, but actually have a bath and just light some candles and maybe not think about my book for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I absolutely had to take my own advice sometimes. And that's the thing. Everyone has to do that because you're not, you know, on a Zen path a hundred percent of the time, you know, we're human beings. And especially if we're going through a crisis, we are absolutely going to, you know, deviate and uh, have to, you know, recenter ourselves. And that's, you know, part of the process, but yeah, it's yeah. not about it's not about being being perfect, and no. um, and what one thing that I sort of recently was a discovery for myself about just some of my own personal patterns that I'm I kind of want to break, you know, just like negative self sabotaging patterns and and um, yeah, just like just sort of ways that like I was noticing how I think is like, sometimes there's an element of you have to be relentless in being peaceful at times, which seems like an, like an, like an imposing thing, but I'm like, no, I have to be like relentlessly peaceful. Like when it comes to some of these things that I'm dealing with, because it's like, Mm -hmm. if I entertain these things, then suddenly I'm all sucked up into it and I have to go, Mm -hmm. no, 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 (laughs) you know, it's not just, yeah, but yeah. And especially if you're dealing with other people, right? They know how to push your buttons and <laughs> trigger you. And if they're also going through a crisis and they're losing their minds and, you know, yes, recipe for just going batshit crazy, right? Yeah. So you absolutely have to keep, uh, you know, coming back to a place of peace and understanding, you know, their behavior is their behavior and you don't have to buy into their emotions. And, you do have to feel your own emotions and you're allowed to feel your own emotions and you're allowed to set them free. Right. So yeah, there's many elements into being Zen and it's not just, you know, just being peaceful all the time, you know, (laughs) it's about processing everything and make sure that it's out because if you don't make sure that everything's out and you're, you know, suppress it and you pretend it's not there, it will actually explode out. You know, if you don't acknowledge it, it will come out in other ways. And that's quite common in people who are more passive, um, who are maybe used to trying to, I don't know, smooth things out with everyone and maybe don't share their own voice (laughs) um, in the moment that they feel it. So they're, you know, they're like, no, push it down, push it down. I'm like, no, no, just keep the peace, keep the peace. But I've noticed you know, those are the people who explode the most and hold the most resentment and actually cause themselves the most disease and um, stress internally because they're not letting it out. So I think it's really important to make sure that in those small moments, when it's happening, whenever the trigger is, is that you're able to communicate it in the moment in a respectful and loving way so that you can move past it and it doesn't become, you know, this huge thing you're, pr- you know, pressing down and it's going to explode. <laughs> hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Is that like sometimes in that, um, idealism, uh, to be this peaceful person, mm-hmm. um, it's like you said, like you have to, you have to, to begin with, accept where you are. You have to accept how you feel right now. And instead of living in an idealized state of like, well, I actually feel this way, but I should feel this way. I should be peaceful. I should be calm because that's like adding a whole other layer of stress right? <laughs> yes. around the emotion that you actually feel. Right. Yeah. And I say that in the book, you know, I say, you know what, for a moment, just accept that you feel shitty. You're in a crisis you're allowed to feel shitty, you know, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay feeling shitty all the time, but yeah, absolutely. You'll take so much pressure off of yourself by, you know, allowing yourself to 
you know, have a normal response to a crazy thing happening in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a really important thing. I think sometimes, um, sometimes intentionally, but most often unintentionally, people can accidentally gaslight you about your emotions. They can say like, right. you shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't be upset. You shouldn't, you're overreacting. And it's like, be grateful. Uh, I'm reacting <laughs> yeah. the way that I need to react. And like, it's, it's important to be responsible about what you do with other people and how you treat them and your reactions. But if you're angry about something or you're upset or you're sad about it, you're allowed to do that. No one's, no one has the right to tell you that you don't get to feel that emotion. You know what I mean? Cause it's not like they're the authority on how to feel about this. Right. Um, and as I also found that as you accepted your emotions, as I accepted my own emotions through my process and I was just honest about them and whatever they were, then they could pass. But it was the resistance and the denial of them that actually caused them to sustain themselves and also really caused that depression because you just push them down, you push them down, you start to feel bad, you know, mm-hmm. cause you mm-hmm. can't, you feel out of control, you know, absolutely you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I absolutely learned that in my own way. So I've always been someone who is quite direct, um, and open. I'm not someone to, you know, hold on to things too much, but there were instances where I was not allowed to share my voice. And I won't get into details, but I think we've all been there where there was, you know, a situation where you weren't quite safe to, you know, share your voice for whatever reason. Um, And I felt horrible. Oh my God. You know, holding on to something that you just need to communicate or somehow stick up for yourself, that can rot away at you. So it is really important that I've learned. Of course, you know, I always thought this, but you know, actually practicing the flip side of the coin of not sharing your voice in the moment when it's small, um, and then just letting it fester inside and holding all this resentment, not a good feeling. Mm. And yeah, I've I've learned that I had a very healthy <laughs> way of um, dealing with communication before, and I'm actually grateful that I had that experience just to see what the flip side of the coin is like of what it is like to kind of stuff down your truth, just so I can see that yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, you right. think you're trying to keep the peace. But that doesn't work. In the long run, that is going to cause you so much stress internally, probably will manifest physically in some way, shape or form, whether, you know, through headaches or, you know, a lot of physical ailments are based off of, you know, having too much cortisol in your body. And, you know, maybe your tendons are too tight and they snap and, you know, it's much better to, oh, I, that, <laughs> that reminds me, I should say, during my writing process, this shoulder right here, I have a separated shoulder. So I was not able to do anything except write this book. So you used your inner, you used your injury to help you. Right. So I was holding, you know, I was in a situation where I wasn't, you know, being my normal communicative self. Um, so I think a lot of that stress, you know, the cause of my, when I talked to the physio, she said, oh, you know, you've been doing yoga for a million years. This shouldn't have happened. Um, but I think it's, you know, the stress. Um, but yeah. So when I, <laughs> when I was writing my book, I think you should know, I literally couldn't do anything else. I wasn't allowed to do yoga. Yoga is a huge part of my day. Normally I wasn't allowed to even, you know, run or exercise in any way. So you know, people who are saying, oh, how did you get motivated to write your book? <laughs> I didn't have a lot of options. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Now I have a lot more mobility. I'm still not back to doing yoga. I'm still not back to exercising. Um, it will be, a, I will have a full re- recovery, but it's, it, you know, slowly getting back there. Um, but yeah, so that's also something that I should share is, you know, this book came out of, you know, and it was actually on the day when I was like, you know what, today I'm going to take a break from writing. I'm just going to do yoga today. I'm allowed. I don't need to write today. Boom. <laughs> I separated my shoulder. <laughs> so yeah, it was the product of, uh, 
many things and also, you know, God shooting me down with a lightning bolt directly <laughs> to my shoulder. <laughs> the one thing I could do is, you know, type on my keyboard on my lap. So well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great things that we've, that we've come, come to in this conversation already. And you know what, we'll wrap it up at the end. We'll, we'll kind of, we'll take a little recap and we'll go over some of the points that we had or our takeaways. But, um, in the meantime, let's take a moment. Uh, Evan, you got a beer. Uh, yeah, I've got a beer. Uh, Samantha, you don't, you don't have a beer or anything. Do I you don't have you? a beer. Are you sipping on anything? I have a big glass of ice water. There you go healthiest choice yeah yeah not like us um <laughs> um yeah i'm drinking you guys, you guys drank beer last time i remember yeah we usually yeah. usually we do a craft brew on on every podcast it's kind of a tradition it spurs on the conversation plus we like to support craft breweries so we try a new one mention it and uh you know give a little mild review i'll just tell you mine mine's a uh, four wins from four wins brewing co and it's called the Huft Gold. It's a German style Pilsner. It's that one. Nice. Um, yeah, no, it's it's good. It's tasty, nice. I just wanted something nice and light and fresh, and that's what this is. So, and uh, I'm drinking the uh, High Side Saison by Fernie Brewing Company. Nice. Good. I just like the name of it. <laughs> and I'm drinking glacial ice water. <laughs> From Vancouver, BC tap. Some of the best <laughs> tap water in the world. <laughs> yes. Gotta support it. Gotta support Cheers. it. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Um, so we have some questions for you. Uh, mm -hmm. We're gonna throw them. We're gonna throw them out. You can take as much time as you want to answer them, or you can just keep it brief. Whatever you prefer. But uh, okay. There. Uh, well, I won't. I won't tell you anymore. <laughs> Evan, do you want to start? Or <laughs> yeah, I'll, start? I'll, I'll, I'll kick it there, off. Start off. Um, what is the most important book you've ever read? Definitely the book I just wrote, How to Be Zen in a Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> How to Survive and Thrive During Life's Predicaments and Even a Pandemic by Samantha Gordon. <laughs> yeah. I saw that coming. <laughs> Great book. Number one on Amazon right now. Maybe you should pick it up. <laughs> no, in, in addition to my uh, own book, yeah, sure. Do you like, you, okay. You got something that jumps to mind? <sighs> I, I read a lot. I've always been a big reader. Um, off the top of my head, I really love Louise Hay. I don't know if you guys have read any of her stuff. I haven't, but she, like she set, set up the Hay House. Right. Um, exactly. Publishing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I love anything that she's done. I just think, you know, you know, she's passed now, but I think she was just a delightful person. So very full of wisdom. Yes. All right. What film has had the greatest impact on you? What film had the greatest impact on me? Hmm. I guess I'm not, you know, a singular type of person. <laughs> I think a lot of had um, a big impact on me. One of my majors in university was actually video production. Of course, I focused on screenwriting, but um, I really liked Fight Club. I think watching that really... Uh, opened up my world view. I really like um, the idea of that. Mm, nice. That's yeah. a, that's that's a definitely a favorite that we've yeah. uh, we've brought up once or twice on the show. <laughs> yeah, great movie, right? Yeah, amazing. That would yeah. be that probably be my Powerful. answer too, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. No, uh, I thought it was fantastic. Next question: uh, What is a song that takes you somewhere? Mm, I really like. Restacks by Bonnie Iver. Oh yeah. Do you know the one? Oh yeah. yeah. yeah and a there's song. a yeah, and there's a quote in there, um, or one of the lyrics is "Everything that happens is from now on," and I think that is just so perfect. You know, it's kind of saying you know what's past is past. Everything that happens is from now on, and then just in terms of you know the composition of the song, I think it's just beautiful as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his yeah. his lyrics are something that are like they're they're not necessarily immediately like 
understandable, but like right. they're, they're, I find that they're, his lyrics still somehow evoke something out of you, even though you don't always know exactly what he's saying. But yeah, there's these little lines that just go, oof. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh. So I've definitely had that on repeat and it can absolutely bring me to a place of peace. Mm-hmm. Nice. Awesome. Where do you think creativity comes from? Um, where do I think it comes from? I think it's a very mysterious, <laughs> very mysterious creature. I'm not sure where it comes from. I sometimes think it's sort of given to you because a lot of the time I feel like it's not me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It totally. feels like I'm being given a message, you know, and that doesn't have to be, you know, a spiritual thing, but I do. Like sometimes I feel like it just flows out of me and it, you don't necessarily have to try when you're in a state of flow. So I'd say, you know, creativity is mysterious and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to meet, meet, meet the, you know, the mistress of creativity one day. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Um, where or how do you find inspiration? Where or how for my writing, Just, you know, the crisis I go through, <laughs> um, the crisis I went through. Um, I, would I think say that would my, be a perfectly acceptable answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is, you know, the inspiration I had absolutely for this book is the crisis I went through and the current pandemic. That is it. That's the inspiration. Um, in general, yeah, I, I guess it just always depends on what's happening in my life. But yeah, for my book, How to Be Zen at a Crisis, absolutely was the crisis. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so what's one thing you would tell your childhood self? You are a best-selling author on Amazon. You should probably start sooner. <laughs> 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 no, I would say uh, keep at it. You're, you're on your way. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And last question. What is one thing your future self would tell you right now? Oh, well, I don't know. Cause I don't know what's happening in the future. I don't have a crystal ball, but, um, hopefully they'll say, you know, you you did well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you sh- you shared your message. You helped a lot of people. Um, yeah, who knows, right? The, the world exploded a year, a year after your interview. No. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? We'll say. The pandemic wasn't actually the biggest crisis of your life. Wait, <laughs> wait until three years from now when the aliens invade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you'd warn yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'd probably joke with myself. That's probably what would actually happen. <laughs> right. Am I still funny in the future? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, um, this has been awesome. I mean, uh, there's so many things that we covered. I, I, I think maybe it'd be a good time to just kind of wrap it up and kind of like look at our final thoughts and I mean, what we're taking away from this conversation. And there's a lot to pick from, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, do you want me to start Evan? Do you want to start? What are you feeling like? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I think, yeah, like the, the, the crisis really seemed to be the, the theme of this and, and it's really, um, it's been a terrific reminder. And I think this conversation has been an incredible meditation on how there are tremendous gifts that can arise out of a crisis. There's tremendous um, wisdom and insight that, that comes out of, out of it. And um, by paying attention to really what's going on when we feel ourselves to be in a crisis uh, and, and how we respond to it, um, there's, it's, tremendously fertile ground for tremendous creativity to come out. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what, what I I'm walking away with on this one. Nice. Um, I mean, the thing that, the thing that really stood out to me, uh, I mean, that did obviously, but I think that 
what I found really interesting was you were talking about being calm during decisions. And, um, I, I think that, you know, just based on everything that I've been going through in my journey at this juncture in my life, it, it really, that lands with me a lot because I've really come to see that decisions are so much about who you want to be in those moments. And if you're flipping out and losing your shit, like you're not going to be who you want to be. You're going to be in a state of fear and state of scarcity. And you're going to be on these weird, weird vibes, taking on other people's things. Right. And I think that, um, you know, the, the thing that I'm kind of walking away with is that that Zen part is so important because it's helping you to really get centered with who you want to be in those decisions you're making, whatever's going on in the world, you know, crisis or not, but even more important when a crisis, cause that's, you know, when you're going to break. Be, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So that's really kind of the thing that really landed with me on this, on this talk. And I think that's very relevant, you know, to our audience, as far as like, you know, finding your way as an artist, you know, your way is going to have, moments where they're going to be ups and downs and difficult times. And, um, you know, you want to be at peace and you want to be your best self in those moments. Mm-hmm. I, absolutely. And that's why I wrote this book because, uh, how to be Zen in a crisis. It's not, you know, for to be woo woo. You know, that's not the point. The point is I wanted people to survive their crisis. I wanted people to thrive and I wanted them to be resilient. And that is the whole reason to get centered so that you can make the best decisions for yourself and be your best self. Beautiful. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. And Thank you. <laughs> and it's been all... lovely again. <laughs> and, and oh, all... and oh. you know, before, before you finish, uh, Brandon sent me last night. What was the name of the other podcast we did? Was it turning your dreams into actionable goals? Yeah. Well, well, there you go. Well, there Look you go. That. It all Turn comes full circle. Into, it's coming full circle. <laughs> See, okay. the, the, these things aren't just thrown into the ether. They're all, they all add up, you know, it all, it's all connected. And I think that's right. yeah, something to see. Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.